Join me in prayer as we go into our message time here at Elevating Life Church. Let's pray. Lord, we applaud you for the ability to live intentionally in your goodness. We regret defining what that is and and applying it to our preferences and, and even our likings sometimes, Lord. We ask for mercy and grace as we fill in the gaps of what it means to live on purpose through the people's gospels by you. Uh, the Son of God who makes all things possible. In Jesus' name and for His sake we pray. Amen and amen. You may have a seat. Hello, hello, and good morning. It is good to see everyone out this morning. Uh, We're excited to be with you on this 4th of July weekend, uh, Independence Day. So happy Independence Day, everyone. Today we will begin our message in the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew chapter 17, a very interesting chapter indeed where we're going today. And it's this chapter that continues our year's theme, understanding the Bible, God's epic story. And I hope you grab on to that because that is uh, the year 2022's theme. It should be our life theme, right? God's epic story. But we're focusing uh, on it uh, to understand our Bible uh, this year, so in in the years to come, you can really sit down and enjoy God's epic story. Now, I hope you've had a wonderful week, and that God's goodness truly is satisfying your soul. Let me say it this way: both personally and relationally. So important we understand that. Now, why do I say this? Well, if you've been here just for a couple of weeks, I think you know why I, I'm sharing this with you, because we're just, well, more better together. Are you with me? We're just more better together when our souls are connected as one with God, and please hear this, each other. Amen? So on three, everybody, as loud as you can, on three, say, Mo better together. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, nice job over here. A couple of, good job. That sounded, amen, amen. Absolutely. We are more better uh, together. Even though that kind of is an oxymoron with being, you know, Independence Day, independent. Well, we don't want to be independent in that way. We want to be independence, if you will, with God and each other. And so now for those who are new, we got some new faces here. You might be wondering, who is this guy up in front? My name is Drake. I am one of the pastors here at the church, senior pastor. And let me say this. It is great to be with you on this beautiful July Sunday morning. Now, last week, uh, I heard something interesting and and quite funny, that I thought I'd share with you uh, this morning. Was that me? That's you. Did I drop something? Was that me? Oh, that's distracting. Sorry. Okay. I thought maybe I, uh, my microphone dropped. It happens all the time. But uh, that wasn't the funny thing, but that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, last week, I did hear something funny. Here, here it is. It's, this is pretty great. Um, as you know, the responsibility of a pastor is to make hospital visits. One of our responsibilities, we we happily do that. And I've made many, I mean many over the years. Well, I heard about this preacher who who, uh, went uh, to do a visit to to a lady in his church that was very, very sick. And the person was uh, almost comatose, if you will, in and out of it is what I mean there. Many times 
on visits like this, and I'm sure many of you have experienced this, but many times on visits like this, you just go in and all you can do is pray, sit there, and talk with a person the best you can. Anybody been there? The doc's been there, of course. It's very challenging uh, at times. Now, on this particular occasion, the preacher noticed, now the pastor noticed a bowl of peanuts sitting right next uh, on the stand uh, to this, uh, uh, next to the lady's bed. He began to eat them, of course. He's been there for a while, kind of hungry, and soon it was time for him to leave. Now, when he got up, and if you're a pastor, you've done this, he noticed he ate all of the person's peanuts, and, and he, was, he felt guilty about it, so uh, he leans over to uh, Sister Jones, we'll call her, and he says, I'm so sorry that I ate all of your peanuts. Now, with all of her energy, she goes, that's okay, Pastor. I already sucked all the chocolates off of them. <laughs> Told you I heard something funny. Lynette's back there. <laughs> a little, got, got a little sick there, did you, Lynette? <laughs> now, you've heard that, that one. That's been around for a while. As you know, it is absolutely fun. It's okay to laugh and, uh, and, and just enjoy the delight of the Lord. Yes, amen? All right. Uh, let me say this again. Welcome, welcome, and I'm thrilled uh, to share God's Word this morning to kind of make that transition. Now, today... I do want to talk to you about transformational living by the Gospels through the good news of Jesus Christ. So simply put, I want to talk to you about that transformational living. Anybody want to shout out another word that goes with that? Trans, say it again. Change, a cuss word. You don't say that in the church, John. I want to talk to you about transformational living. And so, uh, and, and accomplish that we know God has put in our heart, in our hearts together, if I can put it that way, to desire to do so or to have those goals and get those goals and dreams into reality. Now, the challenge is this, when we look at our life, when looking at our existence, our reality, uh, when we're looking at those resources, we're looking at time, we're looking at priority, money, etc., etc., we are looking at all of those things. It seems impossible to turn or transform those dreams into a reality. Are you with me? And it's so difficult at times. Well, let me say this. The good news, folks, is there is a clear and excellent model and path to be used to turn a dream into a reality as a child of God. We have to put that there, do we not? The model is seen in the Bible known as the gospel, as we preached last week. And I'm calling it the people's gospels because it's for all peoples. If you're all peoples, raise your hand. Teenagers, put your hands down. No, if you're a people, there you go. <laughs> of course, it's the people's gospel uh, experienced by the person, by or through Jesus Christ. So with that, read with me 
our opening verse that directs us to our message that I've titled the People's Gospels. To understand, hear this this morning, the secret, the key, if you will, the secret of transforming your dream life into reality, or what is known as transformational living through, again, the good news of Jesus. Again, the the, the message is titled, uh, The People's Gospel. So with that, Matthew 17, 10 is where we're going to begin the message this morning. Now, let me share this before I read this. This verse with this message is designed for one thing, to grab your attention. I want your curiosity this morning. And that's why I'm starting with this verse. We're going to come back, but this is a curiosity verse rather than in a sense of uh, expository preaching. You start with a whole. I want to start with this main verse, and it says this. The disciples now asked him, who's him? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. There you go. The disciples asked him, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Okay. Interesting question. And I'm going to answer that for you today. Uh, And so with that, Let's read it again just to make sure that it's in our mental makeup and we understand where we're going. Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? It's Matthew 17.10, our beginning verse, again with that message I've titled the People's Gospel. Now with our curiosity verse read, I have a question for you. Here it is. In this moment, or at this moment, I should say, do you sense that you have what it takes to improve your life through the goodness of God and reach that potential? Or have you just accepted life and have settled for the leftovers of it? Have you settled for the leftovers of God. You see, it's one or the other, and one causes blessings to grow in your life. The other is the curse that digs you deeper. Now, I'm speaking to the child of God that digs you deeper into apathy, indifference, and detachment. Detachment from God and others. Are you with me? You see, it's one or the other. Now, the reality is, more times than not, it's the latter part of that question that is true. We live in the curse. Death. So with that, let's see how to transform or change this toxic existence, especially in in our reality, to the potential God has made for you and I to live out and achieve God's purpose and God's vision and God's mission and everything that goes with that. Let's see how we do that and answer that question that we started with. Let's be, let me put it this way, daredevils. You're welcome. Jose, you're welcome. Let's be daredevils and climb the mountain of transformation, shall we? Our opening verse, excuse me, I need to take a drink. It's only Pepsi in here, Ryan. 
Our opening verse sits in the midst of Matthew chapter 17. Who here has read Matthew chapter 17? Raise your hand. Okay, you're going to love this. And it's here we experience what is known as the transfiguration of Jesus Christ on the mountaintop. It is a radical story. So with that, let me set it up a little bit so we have a little bit of understanding before we learn the secret or secrets to that uh, dream, uh, turning our dream into a reality. Now with uh, this event kind of in our minds, let's kind of bring us to where we need to go before all of this. Let's go to a week prior. Uh, we'll say in Matthew chapter 16, it also sits in Math, or excuse me, Luke 8 and Mark 8. But let's go there before we go to the mountain. Because the week prior to everything that's going to happen here, uh, what, had, what, what had happened is Jesus plainly told his disciples that he would suffer, be killed, and be raised to life. Luke 9, 22 uh, we'll go to another gospel here, uh, gives us this witness here. And he's, he said, Jesus, the Son of Man, is that all caps there? Yes, that's the deity of Christ. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and what's the next four words? I think we've read that already, right? Are you with me? The teachers of the law, and he must be killed. Ouch. And on the third day, be raised to life. Are you with me? This is the witness. It's right here in Scripture and the Gospel. The Gospel is going to change our life or turn those dreams into a reality. Now, after this particular moment, around a week after sharing this thought, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up a mountain to pray. Again, I would encourage you to go read Matthew 17. It's, it's a remarkable chapter. Now, while praying, Jesus' personal appearance changed into his glorified form. And his clothing became dazzling white. Now, at this moment, what happened is Moses from the Old Testament and Elijah from the Old Testament appeared and talked with Jesus about uh, his death that would soon take place. Can somebody say, wow, stranger things? You're with me if you if you're with me if you know what that means. Now, could you imagine being Peter and James and John up there with Jesus and all this has happened? They had to be freaked out. Like one time when I did watch Stranger Things. <laughs> anyway. Freaked out. Now, Peter, check this out. Peter now, the apostle Peter, later on, not knowing what is going on, said in his fear and in his tradition, in his habits of faith and all that, he says this, let's put up three shelters, one to honor Moses, one for Elijah and Jesus. Very noble on, on Peter's part, but ignorant and dumb. Foolish, as the Bible says, in the new life of Jesus. Now, undoubtedly, Peter's ignorance here 
referred to the shelters or the booths that were used to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles uh, in, in the Old Testament. Uh, when the Israelites dwelt in shelters for seven days to remember and give thanks to the Israelites in their 40 day, uh, 40, excuse me, 40 days, 40 years. Jesus did the 40 days. No, <laughs> they took 40 years. Might be a point here. Uh, 40 years wilderness experience. So the, even to this day, the Jewish faith celebrates this, this, cel- or this feast. And it'd be like you, some of you guys might like this, go Put your tent up in the backyard. You know, my neighbors here, we can connect tents for seven days, celebrate the wilderness experience. And that happens to this day. And this is exactly what, uh, what Peter was referring to because that's, this is their tradition. So that's why I say in his ignorance, right? Uh, so what happens next now is this cloud engulfed the people, that's Peter and everybody and Jesus and everybody there, on the mountain and the mountain itself. And then the voice said, this is my son, capital S, whom I have chosen, whom I love. Listen to him. Not Moses, not Elijah. Listen to him. Where else, you can help me out here, where else in Scripture do we have a similar experience, not on the mountain, but down in the river? Where at? When he's baptized. So we've got this very interesting uh, relationship. We won't go there today, but it's the same experience. Listen to him, no one else. And then the cloud lifted, and Moses and Elijah, gone, disappear. But who was standing there? Who was the one to stand alone in who he is? It was, dis- uh, it was Jesus with his disciples in their fear. Is there anybody better to be with Je- than with Jesus in your fear? Absolutely not. And so Jesus stood alone with his disciples who were still very much freaked out with Jesus with them. Now, without a question, let me say this. The purpose of this transfiguration of Christ in in this experience was to show uh, Jesus' heavenly glory as God to his innermost circle the daredevils of Jesus at the time, Peter, James, and John. You might be like, well, why? Why is that? Well, you can kind of think about this a little bit to gain a greater understanding of who Jesus was and is. And in this experience now, Jesus went through a, a dramatic change in appearance to or, in order that the disciples could behold him in his glory or in his God position as the Son of God. Are you with me? Now let's think about this a little bit more. The disciples had only known Jesus in his humanly form or body up to this event. Now, just a week later, he's like, I'm going to die. I'm going to, you know, resurrection. But come on, put yourself in their shoes. Like, uh-huh. Well, they're going to need an experience. And guess what Jesus did? He gave them an experience. This event gave them a greater reality or realization of the deity of Christ, which would help them, in the sense of this moment, more in comprehending who Jesus truly is. You know, so many people don't comprehend in the faith, who Jesus is. So it's, it makes sense then when we're thinking about that to comprehend. 
Again, thinking about it and going back to what I shared earlier, remember just a week prior, Jesus told his disciples about his upcoming death, and undoubtedly this experience gave his disciples then and now the reassurance needed that Jesus is who he says he is, God. Now let me say this. Those disciples in this experience who witnessed all of this transformation and all that never forgot it. And we see that in the Bible. John wrote this in his gospel, first, or excuse me, John 1.14. First John is where I was at Sunday, cool. Uh, John 1.14. This is a very familiar verse, but very few people connect this thought that John is going to share with the transfiguration moment. But check out this witness of John after all of this happened. The word, capital W there, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his what? Glory. The glory of the one and only Son that came from the Father. And Jesus says, I'm only about my Father's business. The voice that came down and said, listen to him. Full of condemnation and meanness and nastiness, right? Not it says at all with grace and truth. Peter also wrote of this experience, 2 Peter 1.18, to kind of go to the courtroom and say, listen, this is real, folks. We ourselves, now this is Peter, heard this voice, hello, mountaintop experience, that came from heaven when we were with him on the what? Yeah, when you read Matthew chapter 16 and 17, you'll see Jesus told his disciples, hey, don't say anything until after the resurrection. And that's when this happened. Okay? And so they're witnessing, they're giving witness, this is real. Jesus is who he says he is, period. And those who witness uh, the transfiguration bore witness to it, to the other disciples, and to, it continues uh, to countless millions down uh, throughout the centuries to where we sit today. So the transfiguration of Jesus on the mount is significant then and now for all of his disciples. So raise your hand proud on this Independence Weekend if you're a disciple of Jesus. Go ahead. If not, keep them down because I don't. I, we're not. We we need the disciples. Everybody's hand went up except for the little babies. We'll give a little grace there. So please understand what happened on the mountain of the transfiguration experience pa uh, parallels uh, with what happened on uh, the mountain with Moses and also the Mount Carmel with Elijah. The parallels. We've got to see this here because both of them were on the mountain with Jesus. Now, so recall Moses and Elijah go up a mountain to meet the Lord. And first Moses uh, goes up there, but he comes back with his, his face shining. But so much glory, he had to cover his face because anybody that looked at Moses will die. And then, of course, Elijah, if you ever read that in First King, oh my goodness, with the God of Baal and all the prophets of Baal and stuff, some crazy, crazy stuff happens on the mountaintop. And we see this relationship, this link in the Old Testament with linking us to that Old Testament uh, moment. However, let me say this, okay? With uh, now Jesus going up to the mountain, he goes up the mountain and meets Moses and Elijah with Peter and all that. 
Uh, this all links it all together. However, with one big difference, a voice from heaven comes and makes it clear that Jesus is the primary character in God's epic story. Are you with me? Not Moses, not Elijah, not tradition, not routine. Who's with me? The whole point of all of this is to understand that we disciples of Christ in this local church, disciples of Christ, only surrender ourselves to Jesus, first and foremost, who God said on the mountain, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him and no other one else or no no one else, excuse me, to include the traditions again of Moses or Old Testament, New, whatever, are to be a higher priority if you expect your life to transform into the image of Christ. What should be your dream? What should be your reality? Who's with me? We miss this all the time. We're so selfish and we don't understand it. Now, going back to our opening curious question in verse, when the disciples asked, why then? Do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Now, notice that. The teachers of the law, religious people, people outside of the, uh, outside of the will of God. Who's with me? The disciples are asking Jesus, why then do these foolish people in the world's religious system, I don't care if you call yourself a Christian or not, continue to ask this question or teach this? Excuse me. Well, we now know uh, the religious or worldly teachers of that day, just like today, taught and continue to teach tradition and routine or structure before foundation. Hence why the teachers of the law said Elijah must come first. Please understand it's not Moses, um, Elijah, or is it tradition or routine first? It's not structure first, right, my contractors? You can't build structure without a good foundation. But the morons, the foolish people that are in the Scripture, read the book of Proverbs, want to build the structure first. It doesn't work. And this is why they're asking the question, why do they teach this? Because they don't know what they're talking about. Who's with me? It's amazing how everything is upside down in our world. Understand, nothing comes before Jesus. Now you have mentors through Jesus. Follow me as I follow Christ. As Paul says, Jesus is the cornerstone of the faith foundation. And He and only Him stands alone on His mountain or on that, on that, on that mountaintop or His throne. Are you with me? You better qualify that and verify it. Or you're going to get duped. Please understand again, I can't say it enough, tradition, habits, and culture, society, and family, or whoever um, will come and say, oh, this must come first before anything else. Ah, wrong answer. So again, please, 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 have I said this? Understand that tradition, habits, and culture will come and go. But in the faith that transforms dreams into reality, only Jesus remains. And today, learn this lesson and get it into your soul both personally and collectively, if you want to turn your dreams into reality. Our formula of our faith is belief plus action equals 
faith. Belief is the dream, but you've got to put action to it if you expect reality and to see your faith truly develop in the dreams of God, in His reality. Now with that, let me share the secret to all of this. You guys like secrets, don't you? The secret to all of this, transforming a dream into God's reality, or what is known as transformational living, through the good news of Jesus, is this. The secret. i got a top secret. Let me give you the secret one first, and I'll give you a top secret. Are you ready for it? Don't you hate people that do that and won't tell you what you want to hear? And it's a secret, and I won't tell you. But is your curiosity up? i got a secret. You guys want to know what it is? Here we go. The secret is first and foremost, you've already know it, found completely in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The people's gospel is the secret. And where all of the teachings of, of Christ or what we call the wonderfully weird commands of Christ reside in, uh, in, in this book known as the gospel uh, or the people's gospel to transform your life. Jesus' teachings are there. If you want Jesus in your life, you've got to get his teachings into your soul. And it doesn't happen by evolution. It happens by creating that in the faith that we call the divine creation. Amen? You've got to get Jesus in your soul. And you think just walking around, it's just going to... It's not going to happen. The secret is you've got to get the teachings, the wonderfully weird commands of Christ into your soul that then you have the character of Christ being redeemed with Jesus up on the mountain where you have a good connection and you can truly 100% connect and you have the secret, we can say the key to the door of your dreams and make your reality a reality. A reality, does that make sense? That's the first secret. Here's the top secret. Now, you can listen to this. You can put it into your heart. You can know it. But there's a top secret to all of this. And if you don't do this, I'll see you in the same place you are now, next year and the year after. Here is the top secret to all of this. And John, you're going to love this. The top secret is intentionality intentionality is the key. And like me, I would make this your favorite word in your life. I say this because without a doubt, to live an intentional life is the greatest way to transform your dreams into reality. It's the best way to improve your life quickly and effectively. Not like Peter was celebrating with the 40 years in the wilderness, but how Jesus taught us where it's only 40 days in the wilderness. Who's with me? The secret is intentionality, and it is the best way to improve your life quickly, not, let me say quickly, and effectively. And this is what Jesus is teaching and needs us to agree with, folks, not only individually but collectively, uh, with to understand how life works based on God's design. Intentionality means that I take my good perspective... God the Father's perspective, my good intentions, and then I turn them into good actions. It's not difficult. Belief plus action equals faith. We take what we are thinking in, into our mind, into our memory, and we start doing it. Who's with me? We apply it. 
Let me say nothing happens until we become intentional. Intentionality, my friends, is the bridge that we cross over from where we are to where we want to go. And sadly, most people don't want to lead or direct their life this way, and they're not intentional. They accept their life. And when a person accepts their life, they don't get the best. They get what is left over. So today, I would encourage you to look at your life, ask where you are going, who you are going with or going to be with, and what you are going to be doing and say, I'm going to add intentionality in all of my relationships, just not at work, just at marriage, in all of my relationships, and into my work, especially the commission, the work of God today through the transformational power of Jesus in the gospel provided for all people. Are you still with me? Trust me, my friends. If you do that, what I just shared, your life is going to be a better life all because you decided today not to follow the teachings, the traditions, the habits of those who, who do not understand, those who say that structure of life comes first and then foundation as the religious people taught in the day of Jesus. They taught, the teachers who taught, the teachers of the law, I should say, who say Elijah must come first. Bullpucky. Jesus comes first. Ending now where we began. Matthew 17, 10 clearly says, now you being the disciples asked him, why in the world do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Now you know. Only Jesus comes from, uh, first. Church, that's the message, the peace, people's gospel. Amen?